rather than having a normal uh, sermon, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion here. It's an unexpected time, a little bit of an unusual Sunday. I, I do feel like Sunday. I don't have six feet here. Yeah, yeah. I know. We, I, it's a little, feet, yeah. we could use a bigger table. So uh, <laughs> we're going to have a little, little bit of a discussion here uh, between us as pastors and talk about the unique situation that we're in, because this is a very, it's unexpected circumstances in so many ways. I said that at the beginning of the service, that the way we're doing church today is unexpected. So much of what's happening in our world is unexpected. And there's so much uncertainty around all of it. As you know, it's a little bit, um, it's interesting to drive to church on Sunday morning, uh, to, to see the parking lots empty in so many different places that usually would be full. And someone said yesterday, we had a call with our board, and Nigel Lee, one of our elders, made the comment. He said, the only other time in my life I remember a situation like this in our society with so much uncertainty around the economy and, and how things are going to change in the given days uh, is after 9-11. And I thought that was a good observation, that there is that level of uncertainty in our community, or at least the last time we had that was, uh, you know, those almost 20 years ago now. And, uh, well, yeah, we're getting there, 19 years ago. And one of the things that came to my mind when he said that is um, that means if you're 23 or younger, let's say, you're 23, 24 or younger, this is the first time you might be experiencing something like this where there's so much uncertainty. And the thing that came across to the both of us we've been talking the last few days is that unexpected circumstances like this, they also bring unexpected opportunity for the church and for us as individuals. So what we want to talk about this morning is a little bit about the unexpected opportunity that comes as followers of Christ and as the church when you have unexpected circumstances. It it reminds me a little bit of when Lori and I went on our honeymoon and we were supposed to get up the morning after our wedding, get on a plane, and by the end of the day we were supposed to be in Maui, which uh, sounded fantastic for a honeymoon. What happened was, is our plane took, out, uh, took off in Boston, and the pilot got on shortly thereafter and said, we have a little bit of an emergency. We're going to land in JFK. And so we landed in JFK, which, as many of us know, takes less than an hour, and Maui is a lot further away than New York. And we got into the airport there, and, and uh, New Yorkers, as you know, are so helpful and, and kind and understanding. And so it took us a long time to figure out what we were going to do with our flight. And we just ended up in Atlanta the first night of our honeymoon in the Clarion Airport Inn in Atlanta, two double beds, smoking room uh, for the first night of our honeymoon together. But when we got to Atlanta, uh, we realized that the Red Sox were playing that night in Atlanta, We went to the stadium. Uh, We got a couple of tickets less than face value from someone that wasn't going to use them, sat in the front row and left field right behind Manny Ramirez and watched the Red Sox beat uh, the Braves uh, together that night. And so what looked like this this big disaster as it started uh, turned into a pretty cool opportunity and something that that we remember well. And I know you had something along those lines too, Pastor Rick. So Lori's not here to verify that that was a a wonderful welcome opportunity. Yeah, she liked it. But uh, we'll have to take your word (laughs) for it that uh, the Clarion and the Red Sox game was worth that delay. Uh, But yeah, there's oftentimes, I thought about in my life, where are the times where there's been unexpected things that have interrupted my life and presented an opportunity I didn't expect. The biggest one for me, I think, was back in 2006 when um, Pastor Crosby, who was pastoring Mount Hope at the time, 
uh, I, I don't know, he brought me into his office and said that he had taken a job down at Southeastern University in Florida and that he was going to be, they were going to be leaving Mount Hope very shortly. And um, that definitely was unexpected for Wendy and I at the time. Uh, we had a new baby. We weren't sure where our wife was. Actually, Wendy was in a temporary job too. And uh, the church had asked us to serve as uh, interim pastor, or asked me to serve as interim pastor. And that was definitely an unexpected time in our life. And after that was in September of 2006. And by December of 2006, after a couple months of serving in that role, one thing was just clear to Wendy and I, and that was that we did not want to do this anymore and that we did not want to serve as, I did not want to serve as the senior pastor at Mount Hope. Um, it was not my gifting. I was, I was comfortable in the number two role. I was comfortable serving the guy and helping out whoever was, who was leading. Um, but we went home, Christmas break 2006, well, went home. We went back to Wendy's home, to her parents' house, and we just prayed and listened and waited on the Lord, and God made it clear that if I've called you to do this, then I will give you everything you need to do what I've called you to do. And so we came back and we said to the board, you know, we'll let our name stand and let God's will be done. And, uh, and that was 13 years ago. And I can look at that and all the unexpected opportunities and blessings that's come out of that. One is the first and smartest thing I think I ever did was uh, ask Pastor Brian to come on staff and serve full time. And in 2007, uh, he did that. And so we've been ministering together for the last 13 years. I mean, even coming to this moment. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. I actually, we were on vacation this past week. Um, I landed at four in the morning this morning. Uh, and I was so grateful to know that Pastor Brian had already been working on the service, already been pulling things together, and uh, so unexpected um, changes definitely can bring about unexpected opportunities and blessings. Yeah, and just to be clear, you were on a plane at 4 o'clock this morning? I, I was, domestic flight, Yeah. Um, yes, uh, on a plane. I'm Man. still just going <laughs> <Yeah>, just... <laughs> That's all right. I, I don't blame you. I kind of want to yeah. quarantine against myself. I don't even know how to do that, but <laughs> that's right. Let's get there. We were trying to think about. We were trying to think about where in the Bible, where in the Bible uh, do you see this unexpected opportunities or unexpected circumstances creating unexpected opportunity? And I think there's a lot of stories that you could go to, but one I think that might illustrate it uh, briefly for us is you think about Acts chapter 16. And maybe you're not familiar with this story, but the Apostle Paul is traveling around with a guy named Silas, and they're going from city to city uh, proclaiming the gospel, and they end up in prison together. And uh, while they're in prison, they're worshiping, and there's an earthquake, and the jail doors swing open, and the jailer there uh, he, he, this is a very unexpected circumstance. He's ready to kill himself because he knows he's going to get killed anyway if all of the prisoners escape. And Paul and Silas say to him, don't worry, we're here. We're not going anywhere. And it leads to not only him uh, coming to know Jesus Christ and being baptized, but also his entire family and his entire household, we read, of the jailer come to know Jesus and are baptized. And so this unexpected circumstance of not only being in prison, but then the earthquake leads to this unexpected opportunity of leading this jailer and his entire family to the Lord. And so the question here as we sit here this morning is, is what unexpected opportunities exist for us? 
Right, but just before we get to that, yeah. I mean, in light of right where we are, before we get to unexpected opportunities, I think there's, a, there's something that's very real in many of our lives right now, especially maybe in that generation you're talking about who didn't live through things like 9-11. Um, and, you know, those of us who didn't live through things like Vietnam or World War II, as some of our older, um, you know, members uh, at Mount Hope have, you know, what do you do with unexpected fear that comes up? And that can be, you know, very real. And all of a sudden, everything that you thought was stable has become unstable. And you thought, I can always go into the grocery store and buy toilet paper. And you never thought that would not be the case. Uh, and now, so things set in, and you can even get fearful and, uh, and when uh, something like this happens. And what do you do with unexpected fear in our lives? And, I, you know, we mentioned at both our locations last week, that we want to be careful in times like this. We are people of faith, not people of fear. Um, and yet we want to be wise and not foolish at times like this and the most loving that we can be to our neighbors. You know, fear and anxiety is a very real part of our world. I, I think probably more than almost anything else, we probably talk with more people who the biggest thing they're struggling with when it is fear, anxiety, whether it's over the future, over things going on in their life, how things are going to go at a time like this, you know, what's happening with your 401k, what's happening with, with the financial markets, your health, your loved ones, what do you do? Um, so we can get anxious, uh, and the Bible certainly talks to us about that. I don't think it's a surprise that we get anxious. Look, when we talk about things like uh, viruses or, or even life and death issues, I don't want to die. You don't want to die uh, because that's not something uh, God gave us life. And even though death is the door to more of Christ, it was not the original design. We, we just want life in God. Uh, this was brought home to me yesterday. As I mentioned, I was, uh, flew home this morning. But before we flew home, we were in Denver on a planned family vacation. Not a, not a great time uh, to be on a vacation. I would have, uh, but it was planned months ago before we knew what was going on. And uh, about 15, 17 hours ago, I was on a shuttle leaving uh, on the way to Denver. And uh, with an overcrowded shuttle, it was a 12-passenger shuttle, and we had 12 passengers, but we also had enough luggage for about 20 passengers. Every door was blocked. Every square inch of this van was filled. And this guy was late to the airport, and he starts flying down the highway through a snowstorm up the mountains in Denver. And all of a sudden, I feel myself gripping the handrest harder. I feel my breath getting a little drier. Uh, Wendy's asking me questions, and all I'm answering is curt one-word responses. And, uh, and, and I'm starting to praying under my breath, oh, Lord, protect us. And I realized in that moment that I was fearful, that I was afraid. Uh, I don't know these roads. I thought he was driving way too fast. I thought we're going off the side of this road. No one's going to hear from me again. I'm never making it back to Mount Hope. And I was fearful and I was anxious. Um, and at times like that, it reminded me, you know, this morning, knowing we're going to be here, thinking about the fact that we all get fearful and anxious at times. And it's not a sin. Uh, being afraid, uh, being anxious isn't a sin, uh, but it is something that ought to remind us that there's room for us to depend more on God. It's kind of like the dashboard light on your car that comes on and says something needs attention. And when I feel afraid and when I feel anxious, uh, it just reminds me that I need to depend on the Lord more. And when you face unexpected fear, uh, the solution is to focus your heart and your mind on what you know to be true about yeah, God. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's true. If I, was, if I was to give someone one piece of advice, I would say this. Don't let what you don't know 
or what you cannot know or what you cannot figure out. Trump what you do know and what you are sure of in your, in your heart and in your mind and what God's word says. I think we can often in fear and anxiety and those sorts of places allow what we cannot figure out to take precedence in our heart and our mind over what we know to be true. And so my biggest encouragement to you today, if, if you find yourself in that situation, in, is to think back on the things you know to be true about God. God, is, God is, loves you. God created you. God is in control. There's nothing that's happening in your life right now. In fact, even maybe this, this uh, idea that you now are spending the next two weeks at home away from work or with your children creates more anxiety and fear than the actual virus situation does. So in all of those things, God is in control. God loves you. And the biggest promise that we have in Scripture, the biggest promise we have in Scripture when it comes to fear, is God's presence with us. So when you look at verses in Scripture where God talks to his people about not fearing, it's often paired with his presence. So I think about Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And Psalm 23.4, this is the one that's so simple that I go back to often, uh, David says this, and many of us are familiar with these words, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And I want you to know that God's with you right now. Wherever you are, and whatever you're walking through, God's presence is with you. So you may not be able to figure out some things that are going to happen today, tomorrow, in the next few weeks, but God's with you. And so allow what you know about God to guard your heart and your mind against those things that you cannot figure out. Right. So that's what we do with that unexpected fear. We, we do that. We turn to God. We look to what we know about God and know to be true about that. But we want to talk about unexpected opportunities. And a time like this where unexpected challenges come up, unexpected problems, they do present unexpected opportunities. I want us to look at a passage of scripture uh, in Acts chapter 2. Because one of the questions I've been thinking about this week and we've been thinking about is how do you, wh- what does it mean to be the church when... We are sitting here in a, a room full of chairs that normally are filled with people. And what does it mean to be the church? And I went back to this passage in Acts that really talks about what the local and what the, what the early church was. Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42, says this about the early church. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And as I read this passage, and often I've gone back to this passage, you look at four things it talks about. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And you look at those four things, and two of them we can do very easily, virtually. Uh, We can be devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's getting into the word and preaching. And, And we can pray. We can pray individually, we can pray together to do that, and we can do that very easily. But you and I have said very often that 
just because you watch a sermon online uh, doesn't mean you've been to church. Right. And, and some people mistake that, right? You can watch a sermon, you can listen to a podcast, but that's different than being a part of the church. And those middle two, fellowship and breaking of bread, are a little harder to do virtually. But they are possible to do still when you don't gather in a large building on Sunday morning. I love our large gatherings on Sunday mornings. I look forward to them. I miss it today. But a time like this, an unexpected opportunity might be to stretch our thinking and to remind us that fellowship isn't just what we do standing around with a cup of coffee and a half donut on Sunday morning in the fellowship hall here and the cafe in Burlington. That doesn't fulfill what biblical fellowship is. Biblical fellowship is sacrificially loving one another, caring for one another, and we don't have to be in a building together on a Sunday morning. In fact, that may be one of the places we can't do that very well. But in our neighborhoods, uh, in a time of need, when we know people around us caring for each other, when we learn of each other's needs, that can be uh, real biblical fellowship in a time like this. And we can still break bread in our homes, and we can still remember Christ as we do this in smaller groups of people, um, which may be a little different for us, but maybe not different, as we talked earlier, for other Christians around the world. Right. And I, I think, too, I think there's an opportunity here that, that we may not have uh, on a week-to-week basis to really care for one another and reach out to each other. And so over the next week, in fact, I've, I've already had a couple people text me this morning and say, hey, Pastor, we're available to help people that are in need. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. And if you have need, uh, you're a part of this church and, and you need help getting groceries or you need help uh, navigating all those things over the next week, we want to be the church and we want to help you with those things. So please reach out and let us know. I also look forward to, in the coming weeks, the stories that we hear that begin with the words, oh, by the way, because you're going to come to us and you're going to say, oh, by the way, pastor, this person in our community group had a need, and our community group got together, and we reached out to them. Or this person that goes to precepts with me, or this person that attends coffee and conversation with me had a need, and our group got together, and we took care of it. To me, that's the church being the church, even more than something being organized from the top out into the community. So we'll do some of that. But I really look forward to the stories that you're going to be able to share as you pray and think about how God wants you to care for one another in the body of Christ. And then we just get to hear the testimony of that after, after the fact. So be praying and thinking, how does God want us to do this uh, in the coming weeks? The other unexpected opportunity that we have that we've been talking about and we're praying about is the unexpected opportunity that now exists in our world. God has a tendency to use these sorts of times to open up people's hearts to the gospel in ways that uh, they may not always be open to it. For some people, they're so busy uh, day in and day out that they don't have time to think about it. But now with the next two weeks, work is going to slow down for some people. Uh, School is going to slow down for some people. And there may be people that now have an opportunity and even the headspace to deal with some of the bigger questions of life that they often don't pay attention to, Uh, the questions of life and death that we can get so distracted from. And so this opens up opportunities as people are fearful and anxious and looking not just for temporary answers, but for ultimate answers. And so the question is, how do we share the gospel? How do you share the gospel with your family and your neighbors and your friends who need to know about the love of Jesus Christ? And you might have, over the next couple of weeks, 
a, a small window here that you may not see again for a number of years. Right, and, and it actually reminds me of how the gospel spread in the first place. Right. You know, we start with Acts chapter 2. And, you know, oftentimes in our day and age, we think about large gatherings and people coming into church and hearing about Jesus, and that's how the gospel spreads. And God has used that, but that's not how it started. It started, this gospel spread through very small groups of people. And when Jesus said, you know, um, this gospel, you'll take this gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I can't, I can imagine those guys must have been like, how is this even possible? Like, we're just this little group right, right here. And one of the comparisons I think lately that I've been making or thinking about is the way this virus has spread. And I don't know if it's a good or a bad analogy, but it has, it's provoked things in my mind because I and many of us have probably learned a lot about how viruses spread in the last couple of weeks more than we ever knew or maybe ever wanted to know. Because I'll be honest, when I first saw the numbers and the response, I was like, hmm, I don't know, feels a little over, like, like you see the case and you're like, all right, there's 50 here and then you look and there's like tens of millions of people in that nation and you're like, oh, this response feels a little overblown, you know, I'm not sure, I don't understand. But then what I realized is there's something here I don't understand. Because I saw a country like Italy go from 400 to 12,000 to the last number I looked at yesterday was 21,000 uh, cases. And I said, okay, you know, this is beyond, this is beyond my uh, knowledge and understanding because this spreads in a way that I don't understand it. And so I need to help and understand and defer to some people who know a lot more about it. But, you know, as you learn, you learn it's the way that we live, the social contact we have and the amount of travel that we have that it spreads so quickly. But then I thought, well, isn't that how the gospel works? That because we have contact, we're around people and we move, that the gospel is able to move. And some people might say, well, I don't see how this can possibly reach the whole world. And I think there's something at work that we don't understand, and that's the Holy Spirit when it comes to the gospel. And so we're in these neighborhoods, and God has put you, Mount Hope, and you, Pastor Brian, and myself in a particular place, at a particular time, at a particular moment. And you are not only carriers of the virus, in a sense, because we're all sinners, but if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a carrier of the cure, and you have a hope that the world needs and that we have the opportunity to bring. And you can't and maybe we defer too much to, I'm going to bring them to church on Sunday morning and pastor's going to get them saved. Pastor's going to give them the message. Where Jesus said, you will be my disciples. Right. You're going to go. You're going to bring this message to and the I world th- around. I think when you look at it, the reason that this idea of us self-quarantine, or everyone kind of socially distancing for a couple of weeks here, however long it takes to stop the spread of, of a virus, that if, if we as Christians buy into the fact that we should be silent about the truth of Jesus Christ, it will also stop the spread of the gospel. And so you look at the book of Acts, and it goes from 12 disciples, 11 of whom are decent, right? So it goes from 11 disciples, uh, they add one back, and then to 120 believers to literally thousands. And it happens in a short period of time. And then it continues to grow over the centuries. And the same thing can happen if we as believers people who have the answer, people who follow Jesus Christ, will be bold enough and courageous enough to share that truth with others. And you don't have to answer. Let me remind you, you don't have to answer everybody's question. That's one of the reasons we don't share. It's not your job to answer every last question about the Bible and God that somebody has. But it is your job 
to take what you do know about Jesus Christ and what you have experienced and to empty your cup into somebody else's. Now, it may take 15 people emptying their cup to fill that person's cup to the point that they're ready to follow Jesus Christ. But it is your job to empty your cup and share what you do know. Share what your experience is in Jesus Christ. Just tell the story of how you came to follow Jesus and what he's done in your life. That's the most effective thing that you can do. But what, uh, what an example it would be if, the, if all of us who follow Jesus Christ would take an opportunity to share the truth about who he is in, in a moment when our world is uncertain. Right. Right, and, and to show that love uh, to your neighbors, people around you, and how you do that and ask, you know, looking for needs and ways to meet those needs. And the church has often grown through that, showing and sharing the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus. Let me draw one more comparison. I, I, I'm, I'm stretching this analogy, but this is just one more that kind of hit me over the last couple of days. This idea that you might, many of us in our church, we have a lot of young people, and if you got sick, if you got the virus, high percentage, you're just going to fight it off, and you're going to be okay, and many people will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be okay, and that's true, but here's what I've, you know, the reality that's come home to me these last few days. The people you're around may not be okay, and you are making a decision for them, in a sense, when you are around maybe exposing yourself and then exposing them, you're making a decision for maybe a, a, a little young person, a child, or maybe an elderly person that they didn't have a chance to make that decision. And I thought about the gospel with that as well. I thought, when we choose not to share, you are making a decision for someone else to not hear the gospel when we choose not to, to keep it to ourselves and to think, well, I don't want to offend them. But you're making a decision for them that they didn't have a chance to make, and they're missing out on something good in that right. case that we could offer to them. And so there's opportunities here uh, for, for us to deal with unexpected fear in a very healthy way, in a godly way, a biblical way, by remembering God's presence with us. Uh, there's opportunities as a church to, I mean, even, even watching, uh, you know, I peeked a little bit at the chat that's happening right now on the live stream. It's a new way for us to communicate yeah, I, as a I church. just peeked at it too. So apparently Lori does back up your story that it was, Lori oh, says our honeymoon she story says, is true. She says it's true. No comment on whether I, she, I, she also didn't say it. she enjoyed yeah, it, she she but it. she, but said, she said it's, it's true. true. So that's so, verified. There we go. Uh, so there's new ways for us to, to build community as a church and new ways for us to reach out to one another. And then there's this new opportunity to share the gospel. And let me remind you, let me just remind you, want to remind you one more thing uh, before we're done here. When unexpected circumstances lead to unexpected opportunities, the one thing you can expect in all of this is that God is at work. God is at work. In fact, if you look at scripture and you listen to people's testimonies, God often does his best work in the most uncertain times. God does his most amazing work and his biggest things when things are unexpected and uncertain. And so you could go back and we could talk about Noah or Moses in the Red Sea or David and Goliath or Daniel in the lion's den or any number of stories around the disciples or Paul and the book or of Acts. book of Judges, Gideon. Book of Judges. I mean, yeah. Excellent. We'll be back in Judges next week probably. Uh, all of those things, right? That God does, God is at work through the unexpected times. And many of you, your testimony is that you were in a very uncertain unexpected time. You didn't know how everything was going to turn out, and God came into your life and did his best work. So you can expect in an uncertain time, you can expect that God is at work. And so we encourage you to share your story with other people, reach out and pray for God, to God for those opportunities, 
and where you're dealing with anxiety and fear, I want you to know uh, your church is here for you. We are here for you, even though we're not gathering. So please, uh, if you go to our page that has all the updates, the mounthope.org slash COVID-19, our emails are there. The church office phone number is there. We'll continue to get messages over this next week. Uh, we want to be here for you to, to counsel you and to walk with you uh, through anything uh, that you may be facing. Someone Any other final to, words? Someone wants to continue the live chats even when we do get back to meeting in person. So something to consider, <laughs> I guess. You want to start to, I'll let Pastor Brian take questions while he's preaching yeah, on that. But thank you. we'll talk about that. No, I mean, that's great. And please let us know if you know of needs in your community. Um, where you live, that we as a church can be helpful with. We want, so if you heard us today, if you followed along, we want to look at where God impacts us individually and meets our individual questions. We want to look at where God has called us to bless us as a community and care for one another as a church, loving one another. And then that third level, we want to know how to love people who are outside the church, but in our community people we share streets with and Dunkin' Donuts with and, and we share life with and how we can be a blessing to them Absolutely. and care for them during this time. So let's pray. Would you join us as we, as we close this time together in prayer? God, I thank you. I thank you that we can expect through all of it that you are at work. And God, as followers of Jesus Christ, even as we listen to all the news about how to contain this virus and everything that's happening, God, give us the heart and mind that you have where you see people who are in need of saving through Jesus Christ, not just in need of physical healing, but are in need, in spirit, are in need of spiritual healing. God, I pray that you would strengthen us and empower us by your Holy Spirit. Work through us that we might have the boldness and the, and the brazenness to speak the truth about who you are and the love that you have and the ultimate cure that comes through Jesus Christ to a world that is uncertain. And God, over the next couple of weeks, I pray that as many in our church are at home uh, for work and as our children are at home and away from their school, God, I pray that this would be an intentional time in our households to focus on you, to serve you, and to love you and to love other people that you call us to love. Help us to be intentional, to take advantage of the unexpected circumstances that create unexpected opportunities for followers of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for the body here at Mount Hope across Burlington and Belmont. God, you have blessed us abundantly. And God, I pray for each and every person, Lord, that they would know the power of your presence, that they would sense your power and the work of your Holy Spirit in their lives each and every day. And God, that you would use us for your glory. Thank you for this time that we were able to have together this morning. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a reminder that we'll be back here at 10 a.m. next week. Uh, we'll probably from our Burlington location, uh, we'll stream that one. But we'll be back together at 10 a.m. next week on Sunday morning. So I hope you will join us. Then any other updates, you can watch for our loop email that will come out. If you're not subscribed to that, please go to mounthope.org slash loop and you can subscribe to that newsletter. Or you can go, I mentioned it before, mounthope.org slash COVID-19 and you'll see any updates we have uh, in terms of how we are moving forward uh, in being wise and not foolish when it comes to this situation. Any other last words, Pastor Rick? No, I think that's it. Thank you. We love you, Mount Hope, and we pray that God will use you and that you will trust the Lord and see him uh, move in unexpected ways during this time. God bless you. God bless.